You're listening to the DCC Sermon Podcast. For more information on Dayton Christian Center, you can visit dcctx.church. Now let's join in for this week's message. If you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews 11, verse 11 is where we're going to start. But before I go there, I want to talk, we're going to talk about Sarah and Abraham tonight. And if you've never heard the story of Sarah and Abraham, I want to give you just like a bird's eye, quick recap of what happens in their story. So if you know the story, you know that um, their story starts when they're about 70, Abraham's about 70, and um, they have never had kids. The Bible says that she was childless because she couldn't have kids. God calls Abraham and he tells him, Abraham, I need you to leave everything you've ever known. I need you to go somewhere that you don't know where you're going and uh, you're gonna be the father of nations. So lots of people are gonna come from you. And again, she's never had kids and she's well past the age of having them. So that was a big deal. But Abraham, because he, God said it, Abraham believed it. They leave, they go. And it's about 30 years before Isaac is born. So they have to wait 30 years for God to fulfill that promise in their life. And so um, knowing that, we're going to start in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 11. So Hebrews chapter 11 is called, is sometimes referred to as the hall of faith. And I don't know if you guys have ever been to like a hall of fame, but if you go to like a hall of fame, I've been to the country music hall of fame and um, you go and you see things that like people who are very talented accomplished in their life. What's cool about the hall of faith is that these people were just average ordinary people who did not have superpowers, they just had super faith, right? So God was able to do extraordinary things through their life because they believed that he could. And so um, you read in the very first verse of Hebrews 11, Jesse doesn't have this, but that's okay. It says, now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended for. So it's going to go into a list of people who did incredible things because they had faith, because they had confidence in what they hoped for, but what they could not see, right? So then it starts with Abel. Abel, because he had faith, he brought a bigger offering to God than Cain. Then it goes into Enoch, and it says Enoch was so pleasing to God that he walked the earth and then he just stopped living on the earth. That means that he didn't die. God just scooped Enoch up and took him to heaven. If you were to look for Enoch's bones, they are not found on the earth. And it says that he did that because he pleased God. And that's where you get the verse, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because Enoch believed that God was real and that if he earnestly sought him, that God would give good things to those who earnestly sought him. So then it goes into Noah and it says, Noah, even though he had never seen rain, built a boat. Like God says, I'm gonna flood the earth and and you need to go build a boat because I'm gonna cast rain down. And Noah was like, great, let's go build a boat. Also, what's rain? But Noah built the boat anyways, right? Then it goes into Abraham, and it says, Abraham, when called, went, even though he didn't know where he was going. Even though he had no answers, God said, go, and he said, 
You'll figure it out on the way. And Abraham went. And then in verse 11, it says this. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. That stuck out to me when I read that because if you have read the story of Abraham and Sarah, when you read the story in Genesis, you do not see a person who had faith. So I was very curious because when I read Sarah's story, what I see is someone who couldn't have kids, who made a really big mess of her life and then blamed everybody else for it. I saw someone who laughed at God when God said, this is what I'm gonna do for you. How, when, God, when does she become the person who gets an honorable mention in Hebrews 11? And so here's the deal though, because we know that in Hebrews 11, these people, God didn't move in their life in spite of their, their, their um, shortcomings for no reason. He moved in their life because they had faith. If they had not had faith, they would not be in this chapter. And the other thing that you have to know is that it was not Abraham's faith that brought Isaac into the world. It was Sarah's. Because had Sarah not had that faith, she would not be mentioned in this chapter. It was Abraham's faith that picked his family up and left. But it was Sarah's faith that brought Isaac into the world. So how does she go from being a childless, broken, mean girl, God doubter to being uh, getting a highlight reel in the book of faith, right? So that was my question. And if you're taking notes, the title of this message is She Was. Okay, we're gonna start in Genesis chapter 11. That's where their story starts. And I took my marker out of my Bible. Sorry about that. Yep, got it. All right, Genesis chapter 11, verse 29. It says, Abraham and Nahor both married, both married. The name of Abram's wife was Sarai, who is Sarah, before she becomes Sarah. And the name of Nahor's wife was Milcah. She was the daughter of Haran, the father of both Milcah and Ishka. Now Sarai was childless because she was not able to conceive. So that's the very first thing we learn about her. She was barren. And I don't know about you guys, but I've, I know a lot of people who in the 21st century who have dealt with infertility. And I know this is a uniquely feminine thing, but there are lessons you can learn in this, boy or girl. But here, here's the deal. It's hard to watch somebody go through that now. It would have been even harder to watch somebody go through that back then because back then the worth, their worth was tied up in, can you reproduce? Can you bring about an heir? So you would have the sadness compounded by the shame, right? So she would have been the one that walked into the room and everybody was talking and then all the people got quiet. You know, like, let's not be happy in front of her. Poor, poor Sarah. So here she is. You can imagine that Sarah knew two things 
really well. And if you don't understand this about her, you might not understand, you know, how she went from she was to she is. She was barren. She knew two things really well, hope and disappointment, right? You can imagine that at 21, at 20 years old, Sarah got married, excited, planning for her future. You know, I don't know about you guys, but Keisha makes fun of Kobe all the time because he used to say a lot, when I have kids, they will never. And you can imagine that she might have said that, things like that. Maybe, maybe together they were like, our kids are going to do this. And then their 20s come and their 20s go and they don't have any kids. And then here comes their 30s. And that's okay because people still have babies in 30s. Nowadays, lots of people have babies in their 30s. And here's their 30s. They come, they go, no babies. So now she's probably thinking, okay, my worst fear might come true. I might be that girl. I might be the one who can't provide that for my husband. I might be that person. Her 40s come, her 40s go, no babies. And you can imagine that it went from being something that you excitedly thought about to something that you didn't even talk about, right? We're not even gonna mention that. It just quietly died, that dream did. Yes, exactly. Every month, hope and disappointment. Hope and disappointment. Hope and disappointment. That was where Sarah was when God intervenes in Genesis 12, verse 13, or verse one. Then the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the people on earth will be blessed through you. That's the call that Abraham gets. That call means, hey, you're gonna have offspring. You're gonna be a great nation. And you can imagine Sarah, who had probably learned to quit hoping, right? She had probably given up hope because hope hurt. You know, here she was, and then here comes God to wreck her happiness. And then a quiet hope maybe begins to form. But remember, it's going to be 30 years before this comes to pass. So in 30 years, what is she going to go through? But in Genesis 12, verse 1 through 3, God did something incredibly important for Abraham. He gave him vision. Because God says, hey, I'm going to make you into a great nation. I need you to leave where you're at, and I need you to go. But here's what's going to happen. He didn't give Abraham the details. He didn't tell him it was going to be 30 years. He didn't tell them, tell them what he was going to go through. He just said, this is what I want you to get ready for. And so Abraham had vision. And here's what you need to know. Vision keeps you on track. Vision keeps you in line with the will of God. Because we know that from verse, Hebrews, verse, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 10, he says that Abraham was looking forward to a city without Whose, whose architect and builder was God, right? So we know that it was vision that kept Abraham going because it said he looked forward to, right? And I don't know about you guys. I um, took dance for a hot minute when I was young. And I don't know if you've ever seen a ballerina twirl and, um, that's called a pirouette. 
And one thing that our dance instructor would always tell us to do, they would make you do the spin thing from one side of the room to the other. And they would put things on the wall for you to look at because they would say you have to put your focus on where you're going. And then you would turn, but your head had to stay here until the very last minute you would turn around and whip right back around and get it. So your body would turn, but your head would stay focused. And I can just imagine that that's what God did for Abraham, right? Because that kept you going straight. That kept you from getting dizzy. It kept you going straight. And Abraham had to go in circles throughout the desert, right? There was a lot of times he was walking the same path and not seeing any results. He had to keep his mind focused. He had to spot his vision. And we are in the very beginning of 2022. What's your vision? What did God put in your life? What has God placed on your heart? What do you need to keep a focus of so that you don't get sidetracked from to the left or to the right? I mean, I went through seven years of singleness, right? And it would be really easy in that seven years to be like, man, this is tough and to get sidetracked. But if you can say, listen, I know what God has placed on my heart. I wanna be married. I wanna be married to a God-fearing man. I wanna have God-fearing children. I, wanna, I want to be married to someone who wants to be in ministry. I didn't have details. If God had given me details, I probably would have been like, God had been there, done that, and I don't, I don't wanna do it again. But, right. If God had said, Taylor, you're going to marry that cowboy one more time, I'd have been like, no. But what I'm saying is that you have to have that vision because if not, it's really easy to take the counterfeit. It's really easy to get sidetracked. It's really easy to step off course. So at the very beginning of 2022, get a vision. Mark that vision. Spot your vision because you're gonna, there's going to be times when it feels like you're going around the same mountain I need to keep my eyes focused on where God is leading me. All right. That leads me to the, uh, the next point is in Genesis 12. I just want to go through this really fast. But she was taken. This is important because if you don't get this, then you might not understand something. So we have hope and disappointment on top of this. So it's chapter, or chapter 12, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your Abram. Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. Oh, wait, did I already do that? I did. Jesse, I gave you the wrong one. No, I didn't. Ten. Same chapter, different verse. Verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land, and Abraham went down to Egypt to live there for a while because the famine was severe. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, I know that you're a beautiful woman. And when the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is my wife. Then they will take, they will kill me, but they will let you live. Say that you are my sister so that I will be treated well for your sake and that my life will be spared because of you. And when Abram came to Egypt, the Egyptians saw that Sarai was a very beautiful woman. And when Pharaoh's officials saw her, they praised her to Pharaoh and she was taken into his palace. He treated Abraham well for her sake. And Abram acquired sheep and cattle, male and female donkeys, male and female servants and, cam and camels. But the Lord inflicted serious diseases on Pharaoh and his household. 
because of Abram's wife, Sarai. So Pharaoh summoned Abram, what have you done to me? And he said, why didn't you tell me she was your wife? Why didn't you say she was my, why did you say she was my sister? I took her to be my wife. Now then, here is your wife, take her and go. The Pharaoh gave orders and Abram to his man and they sent him on his way with everything he had and his wife. Okay, that's important because here she is, Abram, who was supposed to be her protector, says, hey, I care a whole lot more about myself than I do about you. So why don't you just tell them that you're my sister? So they'll, that I won't die and that you, I mean, you'll, you'll be a concubine for the rest of your life, but you'll, you'll be alive, right? So Abram, Abram, you can tell here, he doesn't, he, he's just very selfish. And I don't know about you guys, but I feel like there are people who you take her hope and disappointment and now you can add trust issues on top of that because the people in her life who were supposed to lay down their own life for her thought themselves better than they did her, right? And that's, I think that adds a lot to, to us knowing who she is and how, she, how she's thinking. Anyway, so I just wanna, I'm gonna talk more about that later. And she, the next point is that, oh wait, Genesis 16, one through six. Sorry guys. Genesis 15. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abraham said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And he took him outside and said, Lord, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. So here we go. She gets taken, God rescues her. And then years go by, still no baby, right? So now she had stopped hoping a long time ago, hope, disappointment, trust issues. Now God comes back to Abraham and he still says, hey, I'm still gonna do a work in your life. Vision, keep the vision, keep going forward. I'm still, and what God does is he actually expands the vision. He enlarges it. He went from saying, hey, you're gonna be a, a father of nations to you're gonna have a son and he's gonna be your own flesh and blood. And here comes Sarah hearing this vision again and knowing she's the reason that that vision hasn't come into being because she can't have kids, right? Can you imagine being that person? Your husband's hope, your husband's dreams, you're the reason that your husband isn't seeing the call of God on his life fulfilled. I tell Cass all the time, like we're joking, but you're the reason we can't have nice things. Can you imagine, like that's a joke, but what if you really believed that? about yourself? What if the enemy was really telling you that? You're the reason that he can't have that. You're the reason, you're the problem. 
The, the thing that's wrong is you. And so Sarah gets an idea, right? And that's our next she was. She was a compromiser. She was going to help God. Genesis 16, verse 1 through 6. It says, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. She had an Egyptian slave named Hagar. So she said to Abram, The Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. Abram agreed to what Sarai said. So after Abram had been living in Canaan 10 years, Sarai and his wife took, took her Egyptian slave, Hagar, and gave her to her husband to be his wife. He slept with Hagar and she conceived. When she knew she was pregnant, she began to despise her mistress. Then Sarai said to Abraham, you are responsible for the wrong I am suffering. I put my slave in your arms, and now that she knows she's pregnant, she despises me. May the Lord judge between you and me. And he tells her, the slave is in your hand. Abraham said, do whatever you want with her, whatever you think is best. Then Sarai mistreated Hagar, so she fled from her. So now she's like, I, I don't know about you guys, but that's just rude. I mean, that poor girl did nothing wrong. And now she's being like this terribly rude person. I had this idea. I'm going to help God. We're going to fix this. The problem is, is that she was compromising God's standards. And so here's the thing. Sometimes when you lose focus, when you're not, you don't have your eye on that vision, it's easy to compromise your standards. It's easy to go, well, this is the easy way to get to where God wants me to be, right? I'm just going to take the next thing that comes in front of me. You know, it's easy to compromise on your taxes. It's easy to compromise and lie to the insurance company. I don't know what it is. We all, we all face compromise on a daily basis. But here's the deal. Compromise doesn't fix anything. It makes it worse. So here she was. I'm going to help God. And he, that sounds really radical to us that she gave her slave to Abraham to build a build a family through him, but through her. But that was something that was done back then. It was socially, culturally acceptable. So that's the question. How many things do we say, well, this is culturally acceptable, so let me do this. But God says, that's not my plan for your life. God says, that's not, that's not the standard I set for you. And so that's the question. The Bible tells us that it's the little compromises that spoil the vine, the, the foxes that spoil the vine, and that we need to watch out for those. And you can see it in God's response. In chapter 17, he says, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God Almighty. So here I am, Abraham, I'm talking to you, and I haven't said this to you yet, but I'm God Almighty. I know that you think you know better and that you think your wife knows better and that you can just do this this way, but I'm God Almighty. So let's get that, let's set that straight. Walk before me faithfully and be blameless. He had not said that to Abraham yet. This is the first time he's saying that to Abraham after Ishmael, right? Then I will make my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. And here's the thing that you need to take away from this. He says, if you walk before me faithfully and blameless, then I will make my covenant between me and you. Because sometimes we have this idea that God's plan in our life is gonna be fulfilled through our life no matter what we do. 
that, you know that, have y'all seen that um, meme that goes around Facebook that I have a hard time with that says, I'm not strong enough to take, my, take me out of the will of God? Yes, you absolutely are strong enough to take yourself out of the will of God when, with the choices that you make. What that meme should say is nobody else is strong enough to take me out of the will of God because you're not strong enough. The decisions you make that affect my life, I love you, Kobe. When Kobe and I were married, he decided he didn't want to be married to me anymore. I fought against that. He was not strong enough to take me out of the will of God on my life. It was going to be my choices that derailed God's plan for my life. But if I chose, you know what? This is the circumstance. This is the hand I've been dealt. This is the, the path I'm walking. I'm going to do, I'm going to be faithful and I'm going to be blameless and if I can walk that faithfully and blamelessly, then God will bring about his will in my life. And now here's the deal. Blameless doesn't mean perfect because nobody's perfect, right? Blameless means I'm, I'm, I'm a repenter. Lord God, I messed up. I need to repent for that. Blameless means that I exercise repentance, right? That you, in, in keeping with repentance, Okay, so let's move on from there. Then he says, Abraham fell face down and God said to him, as for me, this is my covenant with, he, with you. You will be the father of many nations. No longer will you be called Abram. Your name will be Abraham, for I have made you father of many nations. I will make you very fruitful. I will make nations of you and kings of people will come from you. I will establish my covenant as an everlasting covenant between me and you, between your descendants after you and this generation to come to be your God, right? So God expands, expands the, um, the covenant. And then in verse 15, he says, God also said to Abraham, as, your, as for your Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. She will be named Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of people will come from her. Abraham fell face down. He laughed, said to himself, will a son be born to a man a hundred years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? And Abraham said to him, said to God, if only Ishmael might live under your blessing. Then God says, yes, but your wife, Sarah, will bear you a son and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his, for his descendants after him. And as for Ishmael, I've heard you. I will surely bless him. I will make him fruitful and will greatly increase your numbers. He will be the father of 12 rulers and I will make him into a great nation. Verse 21, but my covenant I will establish with Isaac whom Sarah will bear to you by this time next year. So God, God fills in the details, right? First he said, go, I'm gonna make you a nation. I'm gonna make you a great nation. Then God says, I'm gonna make, you're gonna have a son. That's how I'm gonna make you a great nation. I know you've been trying to figure this out and you thought maybe it was gonna be because of your servant, but no, you're gonna have a son. And then God says, you're gonna have a son through Sarah, specifically, you need to know that your wife is the one that's going to bear you a son. Because when God called Abraham, he also called Sarah. 
Because when God says I, that a man should leave his father and his mother and be united to his wife, they would be one flesh. So a call on his life was a call on her life. And um, but what I like about this one is our next she was. She was Sarai, but God called her Sarah. And when God changes your name, it's to enlarge your capacity. So Abraham went from being father. That's what Abram means, father. He went from being father to father of nations. So God, what God did, and the histori- historians say this, so this is not me saying this. God took a name out of, a letter out of his own name and gave it to Abraham. He took a letter out of Yahweh and gave it to Abraham to make him capable of doing things that were greater than himself. And can you imagine God takes his spirit and gives it to us. And through that, we are able to do things that are greater than what we could do on our own, right? Um, But I love that God changed her name before he saw change in her. He changed Abram's name before he saw change in Abram. And what a beautiful thing that it was after they compromised, that it was after they made that huge mistake and made a mess of their life, that God said, look, I haven't given up on you. I have not given up on you yet. I know where you are. I see your heart. Stick with me, be blameless. I'm gonna make my plans come to fruit in your life, right? So, um, God changes our name to enlarge our capacity. Genesis 18, verse 9. So Abraham is sitting at his tent, and these three men walk by. And he knows as soon as he sees them that they're angels. So he says, hey, come to my house. You know, I'm going to feed you. I'm going to honor you because you're a messenger of the Lord. And they get there. They come. So obviously, it was very obvious that they were messengers of God. And in verse 9, when they're sitting down and they're eating, verse 9, they say to Abraham, Abraham, where is your wife, Sarah? They asked him. They're in the tent, he said. Then one of them said, I will surely return to you about this time next year, and Sarah, your wife, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance to the tent, right? And that's not a surprise to them. So they say this within her earshot because they want her to hear this. Because I don't, I don't know why she hasn't heard it yet, or maybe she has and just needs to hear it from a messenger of God, but they want her to hear this. And so they say it, and it says, Now Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent, which was behind him, and Abraham and Sarah were already very old. And Sarah was past the age of childbearing. So Sarah laughed to herself and as she thought, After I am worn out and old, my Lord, will I now have this pleasure? And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh and say, Will I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? And I will return to you at the appointed time next year, and Sarah will have a son. So here we go. That's why I say, when you read Hebrews 11, that because of her great faith, that God did all these things. And I look at, I look at her story, and I'm like, where? Where was that faith? Literally nothing that I have read points to she had great faith. She literally just laughed. I mean, if an angel was, was standing in front of me and said, this is what's gonna happen, I, I mean, I would have a hard time laughing, I hope. 
but she did. But maybe it was because she had hoped so much and been so disappointed. Maybe it was because she put trust in people who let her down. Maybe it was because all these things had compounded. And when God said, this is what I'm going to do, she had a hard time believing it, right? And I don't know, I feel like she might be one of the most relatable characters in the Bible. Because have, wouldn't that be the natural, like your natural reaction? Abraham had like superhuman faith. God said, go. Abraham was like, when I got this, let's go. Sarah, she had lived a little, right? She knew a little too much. She had been a little too hurt. She had been a little too let down to just jump on that faith wagon. But you know what's so beautiful about her story is that God refused to let her be replaced. When God called Abraham, he said, I'm going to do it through her. And that's who, that's who I want. And it doesn't matter if she messes up. It doesn't matter if it takes her 30 years to get it. I'm going to do it through her, right? And so Sarah laughs at God. And the last thing I want to talk about is in Genesis 20, verse 1. She was rescued. And I really think in my heart, I feel like this is what did it for her. Because this is the last thing that happens to her between laughing at God and having a baby. She was rescued. So Abraham, who can't learn a lesson, is now in verse, chapter 20, verse 1. It says, Now Abraham moved on from there into the region of Negev and lived there between Kadesh and Shur. For a while he stayed in Gerar. And then Abraham said to his wife Sarah, She is my sister. Then Ambulak, king of Gerar, sent Sarah and took her. But God came to Ambulak in a dream one night and said to him, you are as good as dead as you are as good as dead because of the woman you have taken. She is a married woman. Now Ambulak had no had not gone near her. So he said, Lord, will you destroy an innocent nation? Did he not say to me that she is my sister? And didn't he she also say he is my brother? I have done this with a clear conscience and clean hands. Then God said to him in the dream, yes, I know you did this with a clear conscience. So I have kept you from sinning against me. That is why I did not let you touch her. Now return the man's wife. Okay. When no one else will come to your defense, God will. When no one else shows up for you, God will. When no one else sees your value, God does, right? Abraham thought himself higher or more important than Sarah. I mean, that's the only thing we can take away from his actions. He was afraid. Fear. He did not do that out of wisdom. He did that out of fear, right? And so what happens is Sarah learns that God will rescue me. That God, not once, but twice has God come to my rescue. And I don't know why it took her two times to learn that lesson, but obviously it did. She needed twice for God to do that. And I wonder in our own lives, if we look back, can we look back and go, man, God did this for me here. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes maybe she was too hurt to see it the first time. So God needed to do it the second time. Maybe she was in too much shame the first time, so God needed to do it the second time. But I'm willing to bet that if you look back over the course of your life, you can see the fingerprint of God. 
you can see where God protected me. And I, I don't know, I don't know why he protected me, but God protected me. I don't know why God allowed me to not learn that lesson the hard way, but he did. You know, I don't know what it is in your life, but can you look back and go, man, God was there. I didn't deserve it. Nobody else was there. Nobody else saw value in me, but God did. And he's been waiting on me. And that was, that was where Sarah was at. But in Hebrews, y'all can stand up. We're gonna land the plane. It probably defeats the purpose of me landing the plane by telling them I'm gonna land the plane, but that's cool. But no, I I wanna make this point before we leave because I really feel like this is the takeaway. This is the thing we need to know for 2022. Here's the thing that I thought was so amazing about Hebrews 11, 11. It says, by faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive. I don't don't have, that's not the version I used. I'm going to go to my version. It says, and by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And why that's important is because it doesn't say that she considered him able she already thought he was able. She considered him faithful. Sarah did not have to learn that God was able. She knew God was able. And how many of you guys are going, God can do that. I know God can do that, but will God do that for me? She had to, the lesson Sarah had to learn was that God would be faithful to her because nobody else in her life had been faithful to her right? So it says that Sarah learned the lesson that God was faithful. She didn't have to put her hope in, am I capable? Because she wasn't. God is able. God is faithful. And so in this next year, that's what I hope you guys can take away. Get a vision. Know that when God puts a vision in your heart, that no matter what, if you are faithful, if you are blameless, that God will be faithful to you. And that God, no matter what your past is, no matter what you've done, no matter what people wanna throw up in your face, God is faithful to do what he has said he would do in your life. Father God, I just lift up this night to you, Lord, and these people, God, and I thank you so much, God, that you are reigniting vision in our hearts. Lord God, that you are giving us something to look forward to. Lord God, that we will forget the past, that we'll move away from it. God, that you will show us where those compromises are. Lord God, that we would not be ensnared by them or trapped by them. And I pray, Lord God, that you would just be with us, guide us, lead us, and um, inspire us, give us revelation as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. We are so glad that you chose to tune in with us this week. We hope that today's message left you challenged, encouraged, and inspired. If you enjoyed today's message and would like to hear more, you can find us wherever it is that you listen to your podcasts, as well as on YouTube. Thanks again for listening to the DCC Sermon Podcast.